we'll get through it. So no, no games here. This is actually serious. And I hope you can recall last week Pastor Joe's message. I know that we're forgetful folks and, you know, it seems like we forget what happened yesterday. But last week, Pastor Joe preached on the Holy Spirit. And I found it very inspirational. And it causes me this week to preach a continuation of what he started last week. He, he stopped past my office and kind of made this little comment about, you know, July being Holy Spirit month. And I thought, you know what? Count me in. I'm on board. And we, Pastor Joe and I take this very serious. Um, this is not a, a man leading. We, we truly go to God and we ask God, where do you want us in this word? And I'll tell you, for this week, uh, many, many weeks I go and I just get right to work. And man, just God just puts this in my heart and it all just pours out onto paper and and I have something for Sunday. This week, you know, I went into an, another direction and had it halfway finished. And something inside of me, God said, nope, delete it, start over. So I did, deleted it, started over. And I worked on something else. And just going to town, God said, nope, delete, start over. So I did again and then settled on this. And I, I do believe this is what the Lord has for this morning. But it is a continuation of last week, uh, Pastor Joe preaching, a, if you remember, about being endued with power by the Holy Ghost. Okay, and some of these scriptures you may be familiar with from last week. Luke chapter 24, verse 49, we have this promise from Christ. It says this, Jesus says, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Jesus tells his disciples, wait in Jerusalem. Stay gathered together. Don't disperse yet. Stay there in Jerusalem until this promise from the Father comes upon you. What promise? What are you talking about? Well, if you remember that time, Christ gave that promise Shortly thereafter, he was crucified, died on the cross. He raised in bodily form from the dead. And just before he ascends, he, he gives us this promise that as he ascends, this, this promise from the Father is going to descend upon his people. What promise of the Father? John 14, 16 tells us about the promise. It says, and I will pray the Father, Jesus says this, and I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Okay, who's the comforter? Pastor Joe read this last week, but the comforter tells us plainly, the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. Now, I know the scripture goes on, but we'll stop there. So there is this promise from Christ about this comforter who will give power who will abide with us forever, who will teach us all truth, who will cause us to remember all the words of Christ. We have this promise from Christ. Now, Pastor Joe mentioned this, and I agree with this. We, we do have a hard time understanding this third person in the Holy Trinity, okay? The, the triune Godhead. We have God the Father, we have Jesus the Son, and then you have that third part, 
the Holy Spirit. One God existing in three distinctive divine persons. Now, the Trinity is a topic for a different day, and I will grant you it is a little mysterious, and we do have a difficult time wrapping our minds around that, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with a God being so great that I can't just understand everything about him. There is a little bit of uh, mystery to the God that we serve. He's so big that no man can just say, I know everything about God. So that's okay if we don't completely understand everything about the triune Godhead. But those three persons make up what's called the Holy Trinity. Three persons in one. Now, I believe that we do have a solid grasp, somewhat, of who God is. I believe that we have somewhat of a solid grasp on who Jesus the Son is. But us church folks, most of us, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we, we kind of don't have much of a solid grasp on who the Holy Spirit is. And remember, I say who the Holy Spirit is, not what the Holy Spirit is. It's a who question, not a what. To help us understand, I, I preach this all the time. The Bible teaches us all these things. Sometimes you've got to dig in there and, and search around a little bit. But the Bible makes all these things clear to us, makes all these things plain to us. To help us understand who the Holy Spirit is, the Bible gives us a very good example of an individual whose life was directly impacted and changed by the Holy Ghost. Okay, And in this excellent example that we're going to go over this morning, it, it really gives us a clear picture of this individual, what I would say, pre-indwelling of the Holy Ghost and post-indwelling of the Holy Ghost. Okay, so we're going to see this person before they're indwelt with the Spirit of God and after. And we'll see the impact that it had on that person's life. Clearly see the difference that the Holy Spirit makes in a person's life this morning. So it should clear up a lot of those little question marks we have about who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit does, and the impact the Spirit of God has on our lives. How many of you have heard of Peter in the Bible? A lot of us. Peter, Simon, Simon Barjona, Cephas, he kind of is referred to by different names in the Bible. He was pretty much the very first disciple of Christ. And I wanted to read that to you just for some context. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 says, And Jesus, and I have a lot of scripture this morning, brothers and sisters, Follow along in your Bible, and we'll get them up on the screens. Matthew chapter 4, 18 says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. Verse 19 says, And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. Now, Peter, and I know many of you are familiar with the New Testament, he goes on to be really one of the closest people in Christ's life. He's, he's one of the very, very inner circle in the life of Christ when he walked this planet. Peter was one of the closest. Now, we don't have time to go through all of the Gospels, but if you go through the Gospels, you will see that Peter genuinely loves Jesus Christ. He, he genuinely loves and believes in Jesus and wanted to read a passage to you that reveals this to us. It says, Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. 
Now remember this morning, brothers and sisters, we're going to look at Peter in his life pre-indwelling of the Holy Spirit and post-indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to learn about Peter this morning. We want to take him as our example. Okay? Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 says, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And Jesus said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And look at Peter's response. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And look at Jesus commending him in verse 17. It says, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Brothers and sisters, Peter loved Jesus. Peter loved Jesus. It's revealed to us in this text. Peter believes in Jesus. Peter, Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And I believe Peter is genuine. He says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and how wonderful would that be to have Christ commend you even for your answer? Jesus says, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father, which is in heaven. What, what Jesus is saying is, I believe you, Peter. I believe in what you're saying, that you truly believe that I am the Christ, the Messiah. These people had been waiting on this Messiah, and here comes Jesus, and Peter's saying, you want to know who I think you are? You're the Christ. You're the Messiah. And Jesus commends him. So you see Peter loved Jesus. He believes in Jesus. He trusts Jesus. He's fully persuaded in Jesus. Okay? But remember, this is before Peter is indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Okay? You remember last week, Pastor Joe preached that Christ had to depart so that the Spirit could come. Okay, so at this point, Christ is still with them. He hasn't departed yet, so the Spirit, the Holy Spirit hasn't come yet. So this is Peter, pre-indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Well, I don't know how else to say this, but Peter sort of botches some things up. Okay, he makes a lot of mistakes. He makes a lot of blunders, and we want to look at them. Okay, listen to this one. Here's the first one. Matthew chapter 16, verse 21 says this. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. And look at Peter's response. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke Jesus, saying, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But look at Jesus. He turns and says unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savoreth not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. So Peter sort of messes up here. How embarrassing would it be, brothers and sisters, if Jesus called you Satan? Man, that's a slice of humble pie, Amen. You, you think you're this awesome disciple and Jesus is very close to you and, man, I'm one of his most trusted. And he comes and says, get thee behind me, Satan. Oh, man, that would be embarrassing and humiliating. But that's what Jesus says. If you notice in the Gospels, Jesus does not mince words. Or he puts it how it is going to be. Like it or lump it, that's how this man is. And he says to Peter, get thee behind me. Now, 
I believe, brothers and sisters, that Peter had good intentions. I do. He, he's thinking of defending Christ. He, he's thinking, uh, I don't think so. This ain't going to happen on my watch. Nobody's going to come and get you, Lord Jesus. Nobody's going to crucify you. These scribes and these Pharisees, they're not going to come and torment you and torture you and spit on you and yank your beard out. It ain't going to happen on my watch. So it's, it's good intentions that he has. It is, and I, I do believe he's genuine. No one's going to kill you. You're not going to suffer under my watch. So he makes this statement. Really, it's in ignorance. Okay? Lord, this shall not happen to you. But, but it's in ignorance. He does not understand that he's, he's going against God's divine plan. And, and that's what Jesus says to him. He says, get thee behind me, Satan. You savor the things of men and not the things of God. Jesus says, there is a divine plan of God, and you're going to stand in the way of it if you think you're going to do those things. So it's an ignorance. Lord, this shall not happen. Not knowing, listen, if Peter would have his way, the world would lose its Savior. So he is rebuked by Jesus. And indeed, it is a very sharp rebuke to be called Satan. Get behind me. He actually even says, thou art an offense to me. Very embarrassing, humiliating blunder by Peter. Remember, this is before the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Okay? He had good intentions, but he just kind of screws up. Maybe he should have just kept his mouth shut. A another time, Peter makes a blunder. Remember, this is pre-indwelling of the Holy Ghost. Jesus is just about to be arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. Okay? He had preached and taught and healed people and those disciples were there and with them and gets up to the point where Jesus has this solemn time with his disciples and Judas is going to betray him. He gets up and leaves and Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. If you remember, he prays and he's, he's overcome and sweat and blood's just dropping on him because he's so pressured facing the things that he's going to face and his other guys fall asleep. And then here comes Judas with the soldiers. Judas kisses Jesus, solidifying betrayal. And he's got these soldiers around him, and they're coming to get Jesus. They're going to get him. Listen to this. John chapter 18, verse 10 says, Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. And the servant's name was Malchus. Then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into thy sheep sheath. The cup which my father has given me, shall I not drink it? See, so Peter here, he's almost making good on the promise that he got rebuked for a while back. When Jesus said, Get thee behind me, Satan, because Peter said, That ain't going to happen to you, Jesus, not under my watch. Jesus rebukes him. Here they are a number of years later, and Peter's going to make good on it. See, he really is ignoring the words of Christ. He's saying, you savor the things of man rather than the things of God. And here Peter is. He's going to chop someone down. They're not going to arrest you, Jesus. They're not going to take you to jail. He swings his sword and cuts someone's ear off. Jesus says, put it away. Then he, really he says that same statement where previously he said, you savor the things of man rather than the things of God. It's the same statement. He says, the cup which my father has given me, shall I not drink it? He's saying, Peter, this is all going down according to divine plan. This is the cup that God has given me to drink. 
I know it doesn't look pretty right now. I know it's not maybe what you imagine, but this is what God wants. Put your sword away. Peter's getting it wrong again, brothers and sisters, is what I'm trying to tell you. He's getting it wrong. Here he is physically defending Christ. Jesus tells him, put it away. You're going against the plan, Peter. In Matthew's gospel, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, really they record the same things, just written from different perspectives, different people. But in Matthew's gospel, that same thing that we just read, it says that Jesus rebuked Peter by saying, they that take the sword shall perish by the sword. In other words, he says, okay, Peter, you want to start chopping people? Someone someday is going to come chop you then. He actually goes on to say, you don't think that I could pray to God and he would send 12 legions of angels down and just smoke all these people? You don't think I can do that, Peter? But if he did that, how would the scriptures be fulfilled? How would we be here today? We'd be lost. There would be no savior, no hope. And this is Peter again operating in ignorance. Do you see that Peter, though he has good intentions, he's not on the same page as God. He's not on the same page as Je Something is off. He, he keeps making these blunders and mistakes, operating in ignorance. If Peter would have had his way and killed those soldiers, the world would have lost its Savior. We wouldn't have the Gospels. We wouldn't have the New Testament. We wouldn't have the promises of God. The, the promise of the Comforter would have never came. If all this didn't go according to God's divine plan, we'd have no hope. Again, I'll say that I believe Peter loved Christ. It's not that he didn't love Jesus or didn't like Jesus. It's just he's not on the same place. Something's not completely right. The, the, you ever try to fit a piece of a puzzle in that looks like it's the right piece, but it's just off a little bit, and you sit there and smash it and smash it, it gets all wrinkled up, and you're like, fit in, you stupid thing, and it just doesn't work right. You got the wrong puzzle piece. That's, that's Peter. Man, it's real close. It's just about, you try to smash it into place, but it just ain't fitting. Something, something's just off a little bit with this individual. He's, he's trying to be a good disciple. He really is. He's trying to be a good disciple. He's trying to defend Christ, but he keeps messing up. Now remember, Peter does not have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit yet. Hasn't come. Jesus is still there. Jesus had to leave, and then the Spirit come. Well, Peter makes another blunder, maybe one for which he is known most. I think I read this a few weeks ago in a sermon, but I want to read it again, his denial of Christ. Matthew chapter 26, verse 69 says this. Now Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them that were there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath this time. I do not know the man. Verse 73. And after a while came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech bereath thee. Then Peter began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the words of Jesus, which said unto him, 
before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. See the, the blunder again? Man, when the pressure was turned up, Peter denied. Denied Jesus. Man, some friend that is. Peter, what he was doing here was saving his own skin. You realize that? If you read just before that passage I read, man, they were spitting on Jesus. They were slapping him. They was accusing him. They said, you're going to die. We're going to shut you up. And Peter was kind of sneaking around, and he saw some of that. And then these damsels came, and some young girl said, hey, I've seen him with Jesus. And here he is. I don't know who he is. Hey, man, I'm just, I'm just an innocent boy. I'm just trying to see what's going on here. They come, and he does this three times even. Three times over, he denies even knowing who he is. I don't know who he is. Quit asking me. I've never even seen him. It's a blunder. Brothers and sisters, these accusations that they're making on Christ, they're going to result in his death. i got to save my own skin. i got to do what's right for me. i got to do what's right for me and mine. I don't know him. I don't know what you're talking about. Brothers and sisters, what I'm getting at as you can just see in the life of Peter, even though he loves Jesus, he's just getting it wrong. He's getting it wrong. He's afraid, brothers and sisters. Here he is scared, afraid for his own skin, afraid what might happen to him. You can clearly see he, he doesn't fully understand the gospel yet. Does not fully wrap his mind around it, can't understand it. He's self-seeking. He, he's thinking, hmm, I like Jesus. Ain't nobody's going to come and get to him. He's seeking his own desires. He's seeking what he wants rather than what God wants. He has no spiritual power. He's just not on the same page with Christ. You can see it in Peter. He loves him, but just not on the same page. But brothers and sisters, the, the story doesn't stop there. Because something does happen to Peter. Amen? Something happens to this man. He changes. S somehow, after making all these goofy blunders, he, he becomes this unstoppable force for the gospel. He becomes this unstoppable force for the New Testament church in its incipient stages. He loses all fear, and it's replaced with boldness somehow. He, he loses any self-seeking desire, and it's replaced for a burden for the lost. He begins to understand the gospel and preach it. He begins to understand repentance and remission from sins and teach it. He even goes on to write a couple of the New Testament epistles. Something happens to them. There's a complete shift of gears in the life of Peter. There's a complete shift of gears in his behavior, in his understanding, in the things that he does. A complete shift. Now, we, we looked at a little bit of the blunders Peter made before the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now, something happens after Christ descends, and you get into the book of Acts, this man changes. And I, and I want to try and present a clear picture of this Peter that we see in the book of Acts and subsequent books of the Bible. Acts chapter 1, verse 15. I want you to look at the wording the Bible uses, because I think it's trying to tell us something. 
Acts chapter 1, verse 15. Look at those first few words in that scripture. It says, and in those days, remember, Jesus had ascended into heaven. So this spirit of God is going to descend. And in those days, look at Peter now. Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number and names were about 120. It's Peter stands up, he says, Men and brethren, the scriptures much needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spoke before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. But, but you see there the Bible saying, and Peter stood up in the midst. Something inside him is causing him to stand up. Look later at chapter 2, verse 14. Look at the wording here. It says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all they, ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be it known unto you, and hearken unto my words. Do you see some similarities between those two verses that something inside of Peter is causing him to rise up? And stand up and start proclaiming the truth. Just a few chapters ago, in the end of the Gospels, this man's denying he even knows Jesus. Here he is beginning to stand up and he's starting to preach the word of God. He's saying, you men of Israel, you men of Judea, listen up to what I'm about to tell you. You can see this difference in him. Something is causing him to make a stand, to stand up. Something is causing Peter to walk in the fullness of God. To walk with some courage. There's a change that happened in him. Something changed. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 22. This is Peter again. Listen to his bold words. He says, as Peter says, Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, him ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. Do you see this man now preaching the gospel message, being a witness for God, and he's telling those same people that crucified Christ that he was afraid of, he's now saying, you all killed Jesus and I'm here to be a witness for him. I saw these things, I saw these miracles, I saw him raised from the dead, you did too, and I'm here to tell you right now about it. This man is beginning to preach in power. These are bold words from a man proclaiming the gospel. This man is no longer hiding, this man is no longer self-seeking. He's jumping in people's faces and saying, I'm here to testify of the things that I saw, of the things that I heard. I am a witness of these things. This is the man that fled in the garden. This, this is the man that took off. What has happened to Peter? Now, I want to take you back to the, to the Gospel of Matthew in that Garden of Gethsemane. Now, remember these words that he just said. We just read in Acts chapter 2 that Peter is telling these people, the same ones that crucified Christ, the same ones that were there and watched Jesus die, the same ones that condemned him, he's coming out and saying, you guys killed him. He was the son of God. I'm here to testify. So he's being very bold. Let's go back to Matthew in the Garden of Gethsemane. Peter is afraid and he flees. Look at Matthew chapter 26, verse 56. He says, it, 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 the Bible tells us this, but all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. You, you go back to that pre-indwelling of the Holy Spirit 
when them soldiers came, they slapped them handcuffs on Jesus and started leading them away. The Bible says the scriptures of prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. You ever been maybe a young person and doing something stupid and maybe the police come and get one of your buddies and you all scatter, don't you? The rest of us take off. We're out to save our own skins. I ain't going down. He can take the rap. I'm out of here. I didn't do anything. I'm innocent. Same thing that happened to Jesus. Man, they knew his days was numbered. They took off. They all forsook him. Peter, too. He took off. He actually hid, and he kind of followed them from a distance, the, the Gospels tell us. Now, fast forward to after Christ has ascended into heaven. Now, let's look at Peter again. He's telling those same people they murdered the Christ. He ran from them in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now he's running to them. He ran from their faces. Now he's running and getting up in their faces. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Peter had been preaching. It says, now when they heard this, this is the people of Judea, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Look what Peter says unto them. He says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This is a man that has a power. This is a man that has authority. This is a man that's no longer fleeing, but he's running to the battle. He's not running from the enemy. He's running up in the, the face of the enemy. He's lost his fear. He, he's, he's lost his timidity. He's, he's no longer scared, no longer running affrightened. What's changed? This man is different. I mean, he's getting up into people's faces and saying, you need to repent and be baptized. You need to confess on the name of Jesus. And you were the one that killed him. He's different. He's different. Why? Let's look at Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now, Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer. Being the ninth hour, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked in alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look at us. And the man gave heed unto them expecting to receive something of them. And Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Brothers and sisters, do you see, how did Peter become like this? He's being instrumental now in being used and to do these great and wondrous miracles to testify of God, to be a witness of the power of God. He was afraid and fearful before. This man got called Satan by Jesus. Don't forget that. He said, thou art an offense to me. Get behind me. This, this same man got called Satan. He has denied Christ before. He denied even knowing him. 
He fled from him in the garden before. What has changed in this man? What changed in Peter? What, what has occurred inside? Because something happened on the inside of this man. Inside. It's not an external thing. It's an internal thing with Peter. The same person, but something internally has changed in this man, and he's different. How has he all of a sudden become this tremendous force for the early church? L look at this even. This is starting to get crazy. Acts chapter 5, verse 15. It's talking about Peter. It says, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. This from the guy that got called Satan by Christ. This from the guy that forsook Jesus in the garden. This from the guy that three times in a row denied even knowing him. Denied him using oaths even. Maybe he said, hey, bring out the Old Testament. I will promise on there that I ain't ever seen Jesus. With an oath he did it. And then he even did it with cursings. Maybe he blasphemed the Lord's name. I don't know what he did. doesn't tell us that. But whatever it is, he, he cursed. He made oaths that he doesn't even know who he is. And now people are bringing sick, hoping that Peter's shadow would just come over them. Do you see the difference between the, the Peter of old in the Gospels before the Spirit of God, and now we see a completely different version of Peter? Something has changed. How did Peter go from being this screw-up to folks just hoping that his shadow would pass by them. Something is different in what has changed. I think Pastor Joe was trying to preach last week the change that happened inside of Peter. Because I'll tell you what changed. It's called Pentecost. Okay? Pentecost is, is what, it, what the change is. Now, what is Pentecost? Well, it, it, in the Old Testament, it's actually mentioned in the Old Testament, called the Festival of Weeks. There's all kinds of different Jewish religious celebrations, okay? They have lots of religious days, and this was another one of them. But on this particular Feast of Weeks, or on this particular Pentecost that we're going to read about, something happens, okay? N now remember... Remember this promise from John 16, verse 7. It says, nevertheless, this is Jesus, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. So you get to the end of the Gospels. And Jesus has been slain. He bodily resurrects. He meets with the disciples, he sees the 500 witnesses, and he ascends into heaven. And we can look back now at this strange little promise that he gave us that says, if I depart, I'll, I'll send the comforter. I'll send him unto you. Brothers and sisters, Pentecost 
which we'll read about in Acts chapter 2, is the fulfilling of that promise that Jesus had made to his disciples. Jesus ascended and the comforter descended on that particular Pentecost. The comforter descended upon mankind. Pentecost marks the beginning of the New Testament church era. A beautiful era that we're still in. You, you understand that's what we're doing gathered here still to this day. Celebrating this New Testament church era. We are that. We are, we are part of that. It's our heritage. It's our history. And Pentecost is the fulfillment of that promise. Let's read about it now. Acts chapter 2 verse 1. Now just before we read, I want you to paint this picture in your mind. Christ has ascended. I mean, he makes this tremendous impact on these disciples. There's people starting to get saved. There's people that witness the things that Jesus said. And the, the disciples are gathered together. Judas is gone. They got another one in his place. Those 12 are gathered together. M uh, Mary's there. The, the women are there. The, the, those close women that Jesus had that, that saw the empty tomb, they're gathered together. And the Bible says there's about 120 of them. And they're in Jerusalem. And they have this, they've been told by, by Jesus, stay there in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. So the 120 are there. Jesus has ascended. They saw it. They're praying. They're worshiping. They're in one accord. The, the Bible tells us there's those, those 120 there in the upper room. And it says this in Acts chapter 2 verse 1. It says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Where did it come from, church? From heaven, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Brothers and sisters, this is what happened on Pentecost. This, the Spirit of God descended upon the 120 and, and filled them with the Holy Ghost. The, brothers and sisters, here's what I'm trying to say. That is the difference that you see in Peter. Peter making the blunders. He loved Jesus, but he just was not on the same page. He was powerless. He was timid. He was fearful. And now here we see him after this Pentecost. He begins to stand up and boldly proclaim the gospel. He begins to stand up and boldly proclaim, I am a witness to these things. I saw these things. I don't care what it costs me. I saw them, and I'm here to testify of the truth of the things that I saw. Jesus promised us, listen to this, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, but ye shall receive power. These are the words of Christ. But ye shall receive power. Church, do we need power? Does the New, church Testament, or the, the New Testament church now in these days, in these dark times, will you agree with me that it is dark out there? Will you agree with me that we live in a godless nation? I mean, we're doing all that we can to get rid of every construct that God has instituted. Everything God says, I ordain this, we're trying to undo it. We could use some power of the Holy Ghost, amen? amen? But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Judea, Jerusalem, and in Judea, and in Samaria, and into othermost parts of the earth. Listen, at Pentecost they received power from the Holy Spirit to be witnesses, to carry out the duties of the New Testament church. 
God says, I will give you this comforter. Part of the third part of the triune Godhead, I will send him to come and dwell inside of you so you will have power to do what I want you to do. That's what Pentecost is, brothers and sisters. And you can see it clearly. The Bible clearly shows us. Here's an example in Peter. Brothers and sisters, are you fearful? Are you worried about what people might think? Get a little bit of the Holy Spirit inside of you. I mean, come on. We, we have got to stand up and, and begin to say, no, no, world, that's not what marriage is. No, that's not what sexuality is. No, that's not what gender is. And, and say it. You know, recently the Supreme Court struck down Roe versus Wade. And we knew there would be some backlash. It's worth any cost. It's worth any cost. The, the truth, anything that God has instituted, anything that God said is right, Anything that God said is good, it's worth any backlash. It's worth any price. And we need to be people. We need to be spirit-filled brothers and sisters that don't cower and shrink away, but that we run to it and we say, no, that's not right. Brothers and sisters, in your walk with him, are you just not on the same page? You, you and God just button heads all the time. Get the Holy Spirit in you. And maybe you'll start to see. Maybe you'll start to perceive and see what his hand is trying to do in your life, in this nation, in our community. Get the Holy Spirit inside of you. Now you know, when moments ago we read when Peter and John, they actually went to the synagogue to pray. And that lame man that was there, and they, they prayed over him. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I'll give unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And that man leapt up and walked. There's some backlash, a little bit of backlash to that. Acts chapter 4, verse 5, it made a whole lot of people mad. The truth, the Bible, makes a whole lot of people angry. Acts chapter 4 verse 5 says this, And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers, notice it says that their rulers, people who were in charge, their rulers and elders and scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as of were the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. There's a whole bunch of high-ranking, authoritative figures getting them at, together, and they aren't happy at what's going on. Verse 7 says, And when they had set them in the midst, who? Peter and John. When they had set Peter and John in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have ye done this? Look at Peter. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, look what he says, be it known unto you all and unto all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand before you. Do you see, Peter says, it directly says it right there for us, this man is filled with the Holy Ghost. 
And I love how all the rulers, all the authoritative figures, all the people with the power, they're saying, whose name did you do this in? And why did you do this? And how did this happen? And he actually says, hey, all, you all listen up. And he says, not only you all, but all of y'all's in this nation, listen up. I'll tell you whose name we did this in. We did it in the name of Jesus, and you all killed him, and I'm here to testify that he was the Messiah. This man is emboldened by the Holy Spirit to carry out the duties that God wanted them to do. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. Do you know that's a, applicable to us? That, that we can be endued with the Holy Spirit, we can be indwelled with the Holy Spirit, and it will empower us to be witnesses wherever in the world we find ourselves on this globe. If I could call the band back. Brothers and sisters, I, I hope you can see how clear it is the difference between the pre-Holy Spirit Peter and the post-Holy Spirit Peter. I see a man speaking with authority, don't you? Speaking with authority. Authority. You know, the Bible actually says that these rulers... They looked at them and they, and they kind of scratched their head because they're like, these are unlearned men. How are they speaking with such power and authority? They couldn't figure it out. We can. Is the power of the Holy Ghost living inside of Peter that equipped him to do what needed done. That equipped him to say what needed spoken. I see a man speaking with boldness. I, I see a man speaking with no fear of other men. Do you know that we're not supposed to be afraid of other people? We're not supposed to fear mankind. We're not supposed to fear anything or anyone except he who can kill and then cast into hell. That's who we should be afraid of. Him, his opinion, what he thinks about us, what his thoughts are. We should worry about what he thinks about our lives, what he thinks about our behavior, what he thinks about our conduct. We need to worry about that and nothing else. And when you have the Holy Spirit, you will be enabled to do that. Do you see the difference, brothers and sisters? Do you see the difference the Holy Spirit made in the life of Peter? It's very clear to me. Listen to me now. That's who the Holy Ghost is. That's who the Holy Ghost is. That's what the Holy Ghost does. The Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us it's, it's the spirit of truth that resides in us. You know, if something comes along and it's, the, it's a lie and it's deceptive and deceitful and the Holy Spirit raises up inside of you and goes, mm-mm, mm-mm, because the Holy Spirit can only confirm those things that are truthful, only testifies of those things that are truthful. So if truth comes to you, the Holy Spirit goes, mm-hmm. If lies come, Holy Spirit goes, mm-mm. And, and you should have that. That, that is an, uh, an ability to, to discern things. Do you know one of the enemy's greatest tactics in the last days is going to be deception, deceit, lies, trickery? But the Holy Spirit can just swat all that stuff away. 
That's who the Holy Ghost is. That's what the Holy Ghost does. The Holy Spirit guides us into all truth, causes us to remember the, the scriptures, causes us to remember all the words that Jesus says. You know, when you're out in the world, you're at your job and stuff happens, the Holy Spirit, you want to blow up, you want to lose it, you want to call someone an idiot, you want to throw something, the Holy Spirit rises up and goes, I wouldn't do that. Do you remember you just read this the other day in the Bible? The Holy Spirit testifies the truth. He reminds us of the teachings of Christ. And he gives us power to be witnesses for Christ. Do I got any brothers and sisters in here say amen to that? Listen to me now. Are you fearful? Get some of the Holy Spirit in you. Are you anxious? Get some of the Holy Spirit in you. Are you confused? Get some of the Holy Spirit in you. Are you nervous? Get some of the Holy Spirit in you. Are you uncertain? Get some of the Holy Spirit in you. Are you weak? Get some of the Holy Spirit in you. Because what the Holy Spirit did in Peter, he can do to you. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. As the band begins to play, these altars are open. We have people that will anoint you with oil. Come and seek the Lord. Ask Him. Ask Him to impart the Holy Spirit of God into you so that you can walk in the fullness of Christ. Amen.